This episode of the Eggology Club podcast is sponsored by Trust Fertility. Freezing your eggs is a smart first step for family planning. However, it's not the only step to think about. Deciding what happens to your eggs once they're collected is just as important. The Law Office of Ashley Pittman offers the Fertility Preservation Trust, providing advanced disposition options and legal protection for your frozen eggs and embryos even after death. While clinics and cryobanks can protect your DNA, they cannot plan for your life circumstances. Circumstances. By establishing a fertility preservation trust for your eggs and embryos, you are able to express your unique wishes in writing, amend the trust to reflect your life circumstances, and provide clear direction for the maintenance and disposition of your precious DNA. Learn more at trustfertility.com. That's trustfertility.com. Trust Fertility, peace of mind for the future. This is Egology Club Podcast, Episode 17 Baby Embryos. Welcome to the club, the Eggology Club. This podcast is redefining the modern day journey to parenthood. You're invited to join us as we share empowering real life stories and change the conversation around family planning. Let's navigate this journey together. Make sure to follow us at eggologyclub.com. And now meet your new BFF and fertility host, Valerie Landis. Hi, Agology Clubbers. Welcome to episode number 17. I'm so glad you're able to join us. I'm your host, Valerie Landis. I'm a fertility expert and health professional, and I'm so glad you've discovered, stumbled upon, maybe you were told by someone that you know to tune into this podcast. Most of us can relate that we know somebody that has either beat, survived, or gone through cancer. Maybe we've even lost somebody that has had cancer. I personally have lost some very dear friends, and I work in the space of cancer, so it's just really hard when we all this technology exists, look at where we are progressively in the world, and yet we still haven't found a cure for cancer. It just feels like, how is that possible? But, you know, I had this really good friend, Jill Brzezinski-Conley, and I saw cancer from such a different point of view when I met her. Um, we became very fast friends. I was helping her charity, Jill's Wish, jillswish.org, and she helps give back to cancer fighters that are struggling to pay their bills due to all the cancer treatments and being out of work and trying to just survive and, and live past their disease. And she did it with such grace. Jill has this smile about her. She was fortunate enough that a friend of hers from high school had gotten in touch with a photographer friend of hers and had done a documentary of Jill in Paris. And the video went viral, especially within the breast cancer community space. And at the time, I was working on a breast cancer clinical trial that was trying to change the standard of care and practice for early stage breast cancer. And if Jill had gone to the doctor when she learned about her inverted nipple being part of a breast cancer um, possibility, I think that she wouldn't have been as far along and maybe could have survived the, the disease. But unfortunately, she did pass away in February 2016, and that was a very hard year for me, um, both personally and emotionally, and to watch her most amazing husband, Bart, be by her side and see love, true love, uh, at its core. 
Um, and what we had a lot of deep conversations when, when we were, you know, towards, towards the end of, uh, the time that we spent together, she talked about how she wishes she could have given a family to Bart and how Jill, you know, kind of always had hoped that she would become a mother. And it was a really real situation on how, when you're given the diagnosis of cancer, how at first it's the shock and you go through this, you know, grief stages, right? And you don't know what to do. Uh, you know, you're just trying to survive. You're just trying to get through the treatments. You're just trying to feel healthy and normal. And and then once you get past all of that, and let's say you kind of get to the other side, you realize what do you have left? And I think that that was a very eye-opening part for Jill is that saw that, hey, listen, I'm not going to beat this, but I sure wish as I, I wish I could have had an opportunity to have my own family. You know, I also have this really great friend, Arona Martin, who started this really neat organization called itsbecauselove.com, who was inspired by her friend Jessica that was suffering through cancer to create a book, a journal, and a love blanket to show support for your friend or family member that is going through cancer or a life-threatening illness. Her mission is simple. When you don't know what to say and when you have somebody that you deeply care about that's suffering through this temporary or even long-lasting pain and you want to show that you care, you can just love them by giving this journal where they can get out all the thoughts and things that are emotions that are going through their mind. And so she started this journal, this love heals journal and the big hug throw blanket as a way to kind of give back to that special person in your life that is suffering. I always struggle when I think about, especially working in the field of, of oncology and cancer. How do I, how do I make this person feel special? How do I sit with them in their pain? How do I, how do I hold their hand and tell them that I'm thinking about them? So I'm super proud of her for creating something that fills this need and, and void in the space to assist and help others. So I think it's time now to take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsors. You've heard of Louis, right? Wait, you haven't. Louis is revolutionary. It's new chemical-free protection and contraception that's better than a condom. Women and men are loving Louis because they can get ready before things get hot. That means no interruptions and no awkward moments. Never ask your partner to put on a condom again. Just Louis and you're protected for up to eight hours. Isn't it time to try something better? Use promo code EGGCLUB for 10% off at checkout. To learn more, visit getlouis.com. That's G-E-T-L-U-W-I.com. Louis, let us wear it. And we're back. Thanks for sticking with us. I just want to give a quick thank you to all the listeners, anyone that has been following the show. You have been writing in, talking about your journey, your path to parenthood. And I read all of your emails, messages, listen to your voicemails. So thank you so much for sending us just a quick note and telling us about you. It's great to get to know all the people that are listening in. We'd love to hear from you here at the Eggology Club. You can feel free to email us at eggologyclub at gmail.com. We also have a 24-hour phone number, 978-EGG-CLUB. That's 978-344-2582. 
and we'd love to hear from you. I personally read every single message, DM, email you guys send. I'm just so grateful that have those questions about any topic, whether it be fertility or cancer or even just how to plan for your family future and answer any questions that you might have. So before we dive into the show, there's one other key topic that I want to address, and that is the difference between an egg and an embryo. Our guest, Mimi Lee, who's on the show, she froze embryos with her partner. This aspect of eggs versus embryos being frozen, especially when cancer's in play, I'm sure the physician spent a lot of time talking to her and educating her about freezing embryos because she had a partner, but what they didn't think about is if that partner were to change their mind, what would that mean and how would that leave her in the future? So you can see what's about to unfold and it's kind of a preview of what's going to happen next. But for clarity purposes, to explain the difference between freezing eggs and freezing embryos, Here's kind of the breakdown. So eggs are the DNA material of a biological female. And when you add a sperm, it becomes an embryo. You can freeze just the egg or you could freeze the embryo, which is creating a future human. When you think about the cancer situation, cancer is very stressful. It can be really stressful on a family or a relationship or on a marriage. And there may be some advantages by freezing just eggs versus also freezing embryos. And so you should just know your options when it comes to that because I think it could have avoided exactly what we're going to hear today. So let's dive in and hear Mimi's story. Hey, Mimi. Hi. Great to see you. How about we start by telling all our listeners a little bit about you and and who you are exactly? My name is Mimi Lee. I'm a um, San Francisco transplant via New York City, and I'm a uh, trained physician and a classical concert pianist. Wow. How long have you been doing piano? I started as a child. Really? Yeah, but I only really went professional in about the last five years or so. And what kind of physician are you? I'm board certified as an anesthesiologist. Anesthesiologist. You have recently been in the press and in some of the court systems for your high profile story. How about you tell us a little bit about that? I was in the press for a uh, very personal and very important struggle for me when I got married uh, to a very dear old friend of mine. Um, We were already in our, our fourth decade of life when we decided to get married and we knew that we wanted to have children. Uh, Unfortunately, just before the wedding, uh, 10 days before the wedding, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And um, in the midst of being told that I had cancer and trying to figure out what to do about that just before we were to get married, uh, I was also told that uh, I would likely be infertile after the treatments. And so we rushed to um, get approval for and um, did a cycle of IVF and created and froze embryos. We had five embryos frozen. And in the early parts of our marriage, we um, treated and dealt with the cancer, which, which went well. 
for me. I was very lucky. It was stage two. Um, it was an invasive carcinoma, um, but it was a on the spectrum of there's so many different kinds of breast cancers on the spectrum of types of cancers. It was a relatively good kind to have. So uh, again, I was lucky, and uh, we did start talking about actually thawing and using our embryos to start our family. Um, we had a surrogacy agency because I knew that I was not going to be able to carry the children, the babies, because of my cancer status. Uh, it would have been a health risk to me to do so. Right. And so we engaged with a surrogacy agency and um, consulted with them and contracted with them to go ahead and start using our embryos. At that point, uh, my ex-husband decided he was uh, insecure about the marriage and ultimately, after some time, decided that he wanted a divorce. So we went through a few years of, um, we struggled through a very difficult divorce. Um, and uh, at the center of the divorce for me was the disposition of the embryos, which I wanted to keep so that I could have my own babies. And he wanted to destroy. Wow, that's really tough. I can't even imagine how you were feeling in those moments. When you were at the fertility clinic and you together were creating embryos. Did they talk to you about just freezing your eggs or making embryos or any of those statistics? We briefly met with the oncofertility specialist that we met with. So this is a person that specializes only in patients who have cancer and are infertile due to that. And given that we were in our, um, that I was 40 at the time, 41 at the time, and that we were uh, in a stable relationship to be married in days. And also given that the technology at the time was such that the likelihood of having a, a healthy, viable baby after thawing an embryo was much greater likelihood of having a healthy uh, baby after thawing an unfertilized egg and then fertilizing after freezing and thawing. Um, we were told that we should clearly freeze all of the eggs that I had as fertilized eggs, hence embryos. So we were not really given the option or we were not counseled at all to freeze eggs. Um, so I did not have any frozen eggs, which of course, if I did, um, I would have been able to avoid the entire last chapter of my life. Yeah. Given the time period and the situation, I can understand why freezing eggs maybe wasn't at top of mind. You were worried about the cancer. You were worried about how the hormones may affect your fertility cycle. So it sounds like all in all, that was a very tough journey. Yes. Uh, first and foremost was the cancer. Mm -hmm. And this was sort of an aside that someone injected into our whole that it was a very confusing, very chaotic time. Um, somebody injected that, hey, if you think you want to have children, you're going to have to probably deal with the infertility issue now before we treat the cancer. Right. So while we were still gathering a lot of information from different specialists about how to treat the cancer, all the while planning for the wedding that was to happen in a few days and having the, the honeymoon, um, we... We quickly did this round of IVF. We did not explore things beforehand. We didn't spend, you know, I have many friends who have gone through artificial reproductive technology and they spent years and talked to people about it and really researched it. And when it, we had days and, um, and it wasn't the primary focus of what we were doing at the point. It was just something that we thought, oh God, we have this small window of opportunity and we need to take care of this now so that we can take care of the much bigger, important things 
thing to us at the time, which was my health. Yeah, your health is first and foremost. Otherwise, there's no children. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you survived the breast cancer. Yes, I was lucky. Yeah, very lucky. Can you expand a little further on how the court systems viewed your case? Uh, yes, it's, it's difficult in hindsight. I really had no, um, experience with the law or being in court, family law. All of this was very, very new to me. And I've learned a lot. Um, probably not for the better. I've done a lot of difficult things in my life. I've set a lot of challenges for myself that I've usually been able to accomplish. And this was the most challenging thing that I've ever gone through. It was something so personal to me. There's nothing like these kind of stakes. Um, it was, I found myself fighting in an arena where there's no room for personal, emotional needs. And it was very cold and inhumane, uh, the way that I was treated and the way that the issue at hand was treated. The court decided that uh, these embryos should be considered um, essentially property, uh, although they categorized it as special property. Um, so, you know, we, just like you have to split up assets like your home and your car, uh, they had to decide what to do with these embryos. Um, we knew that there was a handful of other cases, maybe 10 or 12 in other states over the past 15 or 20 years. Right. And, um, you know, they've all gone with every which way and they're all different and unique in their own special ways. But the unifying theme was when it was the woman's last chance to have baby babies because of infertility due to cancer, they were able to win their embryos. And so we were, we were cautiously very hopeful. Um, we also knew that the consent form, which was at the heart of our case, was merely that, a consent form and an advanced medical directive. And we knew that those were changeable. In fact, it states several times in the form itself that those can be changed at any time. And it states that they can be changed by either party and any of the parties or could be changed by a court order. Um, unfortunately, uh, the court did not side with me and ordered that my embryos be destroyed, which effectively ended my chances to have my own biological children. I'm so sorry. I hope that nobody else has to go through this experience. It was really... Uh, emotionally draining. And like I said, I've done a lot of really difficult, I've set a lot of really difficult goals for myself to try to um, achieve. And this was one where I was completely unprepared for, because it was something so personal and something I think that I did not anticipate uh, in my life. I had been so focused on building my career and becoming a professional Right. person and uh, the the yearning and the desire to have my own child really, really motivated and inspired me to go through this fight. And now speaking about it and sharing my story um, personally uh, with people, I find that a lot of people go through this struggle. Um, now the technology is much more common and much more available, and I hope it continues to be so, but I think that there are so many other issues that need to be discussed and figured out by us as a society, you know, to prevent other women from having to go through what I went through, which was, I, I couldn't wish it upon anybody. What do you think this has brought to your life beyond the pain? Who I... You know, I thought when I first got cancer and after a few years of absorbing that, I thought, well, cancer was kind of the best thing that ever happened to me because it really, and I've heard this from other 
people who have survived major personal ordeals. Cancer really made me realize that life is short and there are some really important things in life that I think I overlooked or didn't value enough when I was up until the time I had cancer. Things like um, the importance of friends and family and connection with people and community. And going through the trial, I was very inspired and motivated and encouraged and supported by a huge network of friends and family and and people I didn't know who encouraged me to keep fighting for this. And I think they felt for me personally, but I think I also felt from them and I heard from them that this was a fight they saw was really important people who are going through it and um and that that was that was the silver lining in the whole thing i i really felt very um grateful for those connections and that support i don't think that i would have experienced that kind of a deep personal you know just this value of the richness of, of humanity this outpouring of humanity that i got uh, while I was experiencing what was just an incredibly cold, inhumane, horrible, system. horrible system. Yeah. yeah. So were a lot of people reaching out to you, like strangers reaching out to you? and? Yeah, yeah. There were a lot of, I mean, I'm on social media and I had a lot of people, friends and then friends of friends and then people I didn't know uh, reaching out to me. And that was really... Uh, frightening at first, but uh, once I realized where people were coming from, it it really boosted me, and I think it allowed me to actually finish the trial the way you know I, I there were many times that I wanted to just give up and pull out. It was so hard. It was so hard, um, but but I was able to harness all of that and and think not only about not only about my babies, but also think about everybody else who really wanted to see me succeed for them too yeah yeah I think that you're not alone you are definitely a voice for so many women that may not be thinking about some of these legal issues and can protect themselves before it ever happens um so the the courts decided that the that the signed agreement the consent that you that you had did not hold up is they, that true? Yes, they decided that that consent form should be considered a legally binding contract between my husband and me to determine what to do with the embryos. And, you know, my counsel argued that that was simply a consent form and an advanced medical directive between the facility and us as one party. So that's what they decided. There hasn't been enough other examples. And so this was taking place in the state of California in San Francisco. Yes, it was the county of San Francisco. The county. Okay, so this was in the county court. Yeah. And, um, and so it, it exhausted the level that there couldn't be another appeal. Is that correct? So there was an option for appeal. Um, and after two and a half years to get to court. Okay. And uh, I was not only financially devastated, but emotionally completely knocked off my feet. And after discussing with my lawyers the implications of going through an appeal process, and I decided that the court was not the place for me to 
continue. Despite all the help that I had um, to maintain a certain level of hope and humanity, I was so exhausted and drained. I needed to, I needed for my own just personal well-being to move on away from that system. And so we decided not to appeal. It also was a way for me to finalize the actual whole divorce and separation from my ex-husband. There were some outstanding loose ends that were pending, and he and his counsel made the entire rest of the divorce, which was much less important to me, extremely difficult. It was a more than a full-time job. They made me do a lot of things that even my own family uh, lawyer counsel said was be over and beyond the usual proceedings in a divorce. You know, it was clear that they were trying to be um, strategically vengeful and make me proactively have to run through a lot of hoops. And it was just so exhausting. I needed, I needed to be finished with negative energy coming from that direction. I wish there could have been a different outcome for you. Yep. The decision came out just about a week before Thanksgiving. Okay. How are you dealing with these changes? It took a while before I could really start talking about things. I really needed some time. I realized I was going through a lot of uh, grieving and mourning. I knew it was a possibility all along. There was so much energy being, active energy being poured into actually making the case happen. After the decision came down, I spent a lot of time with my friends and family, and I got through the holidays with a lot of help. And, um, and now I feel, I feel very strongly that this is something that needs to be discussed. It needs to be brought to the table. And, you know, my personal story is already out there. I have nothing to be afraid of. I, I can only hope that my journey and my story can help other people. And even though I won't be able to meet my babies, maybe I'll be able to help somebody else hold on to theirs. You're just such an inspiration. I can't even tell you. I, I, I'm so thankful that you're sharing your story. I know this is highly emotional for you and gosh, my heart goes out to you. And I'm sure a lot of other women feel exactly the same way. Thank you. I, I want to ask this as tenderly as possible. Have you, have you thought about other options to becoming a mom or going through that motherhood journey? You know, I think about it every day. Mm-hmm. And I, during the trial, actually, they tried to make me, they tried to paint a picture of me that said I was not really hoping to become a mother because during the time that we separated and the time of the court trial, I didn't go through the process of attempting other rounds of IVF or adopting other children. And I just sat there and looked kind of the way you're looking at me, which was I'm barely able to get up every day and do all the things that you're asking me to do so that I can get to see my children that we've already created. My mind, even now, months after this is over, is still kind of overwhelmed with everything that just happened. And, you know, there's certainly times that I think, um, you know, maybe I can adopt a child or maybe despite my age, I could still try another round and, you know, figure out with my oncologist if it's okay, given the status and my history of breast cancer. 
I don't know. That's a whole new journey to embark on. And I don't know that I have the strength right now to do that in addition to the cost and the emotional um, risk of the process itself before you even had the baby. So um, in answer to your question, yes, I think about it all the time. I don't know that I'm ready to do it. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a great question. As if surviving breast cancer wasn't challenging enough. You're being challenged on, on your actual desire of motherhood. How dare they? I'm sorry. How dare they? Just because you're not taking physical steps or actions does not mean that desire is not there. The desire is there for, for many women, and they don't take the active steps, but the courts aren't challenging their commitment to motherhood. That was just one of the examples. Sure. Of... The types of things that were said things in court. that were said in court and leading up to court. Well, I I don't blame you for not wanting to appeal after all of this this struggle. Um, and I'm sure with the finances, it it left you very very naked in the sense that um, how can you go to work every single day and and pick up where you left off as though nothing happened? It's forever going to be part of your life. I can see that. You are just incredible. The fact that you're telling your story, you got up today, you're an inspiration, I'm telling you. you. Um, I got up for you, Valerie. <laughs> I know, I know, I love it. You know, life throws us curveballs, doesn't it? It does, and it does. we can never and predict it. You cannot predict it, and everyone deals with their own curveballs at different times and and I've met some really inspiring people who have dealt in their ways with with the traumas that they've been confronted unexpectedly with and that those stories were what inspired me so um, I love that uh, in some small way hopefully I can inspire other people to um, face just the total unpredictability and chaotic craziness that life can be. Breast cancer was kind of the easy part. (laughs) Um, And that wasn't easy. And I've met a lot of breast cancer survivors um, and loved ones who had a much more difficult time. You created a whole new category. (laughs) (laughs) Breast cancer survivor, embryo creator, and now court survivor. (laughs) Right, right. I tell uh, the women that I talk to, and mostly it is women who are considering having kids on either on their own or freezing eggs or freezing embryos. Um, and I have I have friends and friends of friends and people that have approached me who are pursuing all all of those things. And I just tell them, you know, go in with your eyes wide open. Make sure that you have really, really discussed, thought about, thought legal counsel about, have written and documented contracts uh, regarding what may hypothetically happen in lots of different scenarios. If I were looking back at myself six years ago, I wish that someone had told me that. Um, I I can't stress it enough, especially to, to women who are vulnerable in this situation, because women, you know, my ex-husband can go on and have a hundred children if he wants to. Um, he's not compromised in any way. 
and for women, um, you know, there's the age thing and then God forbid you have some medical condition and you need to really, really be careful. I also tell my girlfriends who haven't thought about it to think about it Great. because they're pursuing careers or, you know, they're very involved in their lives otherwise. And, um, you know, I, I worked with a nurse recently who, uh, was kind of putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. And I, and she's married. And I said, you know, you got to go home and start making babies. And I saw her recently and she is, she's pregnant. And she said, I did it because of you. <laughs> and I said, great, great. You really, there's no great time. I know people, mm -hmm. I did. I, I struggled with when's the great time. There's no great time. It's inconvenient and it's really hard. And I've seen a lot of people struggle, but if you think that you want it, you got to go for it. Life is short. You never know what's going to happen. You kind of have to give up the concept of being able to control your life. I used to be totally in control of my life. And then I learned kind of the hard way that that's just not a realistic way to live. You really spoke to my heart there. Thank you <laughs> for sharing. And thank you for being so open. Thank you for listening. And thank you for being interested in the story and spreading it. I, I really appreciate that. Well, we're going to stay in touch with you. Thank you for giving us some of your time and uh, really enjoyed talking with you. We'll be in touch. Thank you, Valerie. Bye. Bye. Well, I just want to give a big thank you to Mimi Lee for being so raw and vulnerable about telling her story. This was a very long journey for her, and I was one of the first to share her story and interview her with all of the raw details just happening in the court system and everything kind of coming to fruition that she had been fighting for. Mimi really shows us that even when you're married to your partner or the future person that you plan to be a parenting partner with, anything can happen. And so you almost have to plan for everything as though you don't know how it's going to turn out. And giving yourself the most options is key. Now, time isn't on our side if, if you're a female. And that's a little hard because you can think somebody's on board with you. That partner can be like, yes, I want kids and change their mind at any time. And the laws are not in place to protect each individual situation. So the courts are deciding cases like this on an individual state by state level, which means depending where you live and what has been ruled in that area is how your case will be decided. What I've also learned is that the consent forms that are signed at the fertility clinics often aren't honored or they can be disputed by the other party. So keep in mind that it's best to acquire and or have legal documents done by a fertility specialist lawyer, even in the best circumstances when you have a great partner, this could still come up. And when you create DNA that's from two individuals, there is this unspoken possibility that either party could change their mind. And that is where this gray area starts to come into play. When patients are faced with life-threatening illnesses like breast cancer, how do you manage expectations, pregnancy, family goals, and protecting their fertility? Timing is critical, and we have to look at that timeline in a 
elevated state of mind. So let's take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsors. Everything gets better over time, like technology, cell phones, and even your partner's cooking skills. So why are we using the same tampons or pads that were created over 80 years ago? It's time to upgrade with Flex Menstrual Disc. Flex is different and designed to naturally fit the shape of every woman's cervix. Flex provides 12 hours of leak-proof protection and is safe from toxic shock syndrome. And women are raving about the freedom Flex brings their love life. To learn more, visit IHateTampons.com. That's IHateTampons.com and use code EGGCLUB to get two months of Flex for only $12. It's time to make Flex fit and join the revolution. Now it's time for the Egg Club shout out. And this week, I want to honor Paige Moore, who started a charity called The Breasties. And on Instagram, it's the underscore breasties, B-R-E-A-S-T-I-E-S. She's a previvor, which means that she was diagnosed with the BRCA gene and decided to get a prolactic surgery and remove her breasts before any tissue turned into cancer. And that's a very hard decision. I don't know if you know anybody that was diagnosed with the BRCA gene or heard of any different well-known individuals that talked about how they were diagnosed with the BRCA gene, but it's the same gene that Angelina Jolie has, and she had prolactic surgeries for both her breast and ovarian tissues to remove them before they turned into cancerous tissues. And the reason that that is impactful is because essentially one is getting ahead of the curveball before cancer actually even happens. I don't know very many people that have publicly spoken about having prolactic surgeries. I can maybe think of one or two, but Paige is definitely an advocate in her space. So check out her social media, Paige underscore previvor on Instagram. She also has a Facebook and Twitter. And then her charity is called The Breasties. And so her website is thebreasties.org. That's spelled B-R-E-A-S-T-I-E-S dot org. So I want to know any charities that you're aware of and tell our community about it. Please join our private Facebook group called Egology Club. All of our social media pages are at Egology Club. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. We'd love to hear about what great charities or things that you're doing. And you can help share the details of some of those great charities that you know about. A couple that are on my favorite list are the Tutu Project. I don't know if you've heard of Bob and Linda Carey, but Bob's a photographer and he started taking pictures of himself in a pink tutu and only in a pink tutu. And this is kind of a burly man, soft and genuine, sweethearted, couldn't hurt a fly. But it is fantastic to see all the locations that he's taken pictures of himself in. And he did it just to make his wife, Linda, smile, laugh, you know, have those really great moments while she was in chemotherapy. Bob's mom had died of breast cancer several years prior. And so he saw how devastating breast cancer can be in his family. And so he was very nervous about his wife going through a similar thing. It, it just didn't seem fair. 
They are a great charity to support the Tutu Project, Carrie Foundation. Make sure you check them out. I'm also wondering if any of you have ever heard of the Pink Glove Dance. It's put on by Medline, which is a medical company that supplies a lot of the gloves and things that are used in the medical industry. But you should check it out. Go to YouTube, type in Pink Glove Dance. There are several hundred versions of Pink Glove Dances from different years in YouTube. Now, I have been involved in a couple of films as well that I feel very passionate about, and I want to tell you about them next. So a good buddy of mine in New York, his name's Blake Babbitt, he started filming this wonderful woman named Jenny. And Jenny had the BRCA gene, similar to Paige Moore, who was our shout-out this week. And Jenny got prolactic surgeries. She had beat breast cancer and then also had her ovaries removed because she had actually two sets of twins. So she had already gone through her family building process and didn't want to have to watch what she watched her own mother go through. And Blake filmed her journey because Jenny was in the 1% that got cancer. It's very tragic. And so he filmed her entire journey through this process up to the very end. It's a great film called I Heart Jenny. And then if you want to watch a good movie on TV, Netflix, or on iTunes, there's a movie called Decoding Anna Parker. It's the true life story of Mary Claire King, who discovered the BRCA gene, directed by a dear friend of mine, Stephen Bernstein. He created film, which is inspired by the true life story of Annie Parker, the life of Annie Parker. So those are all really great things to check out regarding the space. I hope you love the show today. And I'm so thankful that you're listening. Please don't keep it to yourself. Tell a friend, share this with someone that you may know. It's great to have these resources in play and inspire others to have hope. And we're always looking for great egg club shout outs. So make sure you nominate your friends. In the meantime, please leave us an iTunes review. It helps so much when an iTunes review is left. It then pivots for other people to find the show. Well, until next time, this is Valerie signing off. You've been listening to episode 17 of the Eggology Club podcast, Baby Embryos. Join us next time when Wendy Birch explains her journey to parenthood after initial fertility treatments didn't work. As an adopted child herself, Wendy really wanted to be a mother. Hear all about how she became a mother at age 45 and how her story unfolded. Today's episode of Eggology Club was hosted by Valerie Landis with a special thanks to our guest. The show was produced and mixed by Shannon Holly. The theme music is by John Rosso. Cover artwork and logo by Lily Chen. If you haven't yet, please subscribe, leave a rating on iTunes, and contact us at eggologyclub.com. Do you love red wine and coffee, but you care about keeping your teeth white? Then you need to be a diva. A Vino Diva. Vino Diva is a reusable wine aeration straw. It aerates your wine with every sip to make it taste incredible. And it protects your smile from red wine and coffee stains. Search Vino Diva on Amazon today. Every woman has the little black dress. Now, every woman needs the little black straw. Vino Diva. Available now with Amazon Prime.